1: Hello and welcome to Headstrong. If this is your first time tuning in, my name is Louis Strong and I host this podcast, funnily enough. Headstrong is a podcast where I sit down with a number of guests and individuals in the public eye to talk to them about their lives and careers. But notably, I want to talk to them about their vulnerabilities to understand what the word Headstrong means to them. Joining me on today's episode of Headstrong is Megan barton Hansen. Now, Megan is a wonderfully interesting character. I really enjoyed chatting to Megan. And we talked about her youth and growing up at school. We also talked about trolling and how she's dealt with them in the past, how she deals with them now on social media. And we also talked about relationships and toxic relationships and what is really important to do in those situations and how important it is to put yourself first just like she does. But first, a quick note from our sponsors, RCK Partners, who specialise in helping UK businesses claim R&D tax relief across the engineering, agricultural and tech space. Now, if you'd like to find out about this valuable source of funding for your business, head to rck.partners or follow the link in the podcast description below. That's rck.partners. Now let's crack on with the episode. Megan, thank you so much for joining me on Headstrong. How's it going today?
0: I'm good. I'm enjoying the sunshine, and absolutely living my best life. I thrive in the sun. It does so much for my mood, don't you think?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've actually recently gone from having my hair from my shoulders and I've literally just gone back to this because it was so hot. It was outrageous. So it had to be done living, living the sun. Uh, Have you been away this summer yet?
0: Yeah, this year it's been the most I've travelled ever. I've been to Vegas, LA, Morocco, Marbella, just come back from Greece. I'm I'm making up for lost time, aggressively (laughs) travelling.
1: We're in Greece because I'm going next week.
0: Oh amazing. I went to Santorini, stayed there for two nights, mm. and then I think it's IOS or EOS, the little island. It was so fun.
1: Oh, amazing. So when you're when you're not on your your traveling, your hollybobs, what's a what does a kind of a daily routine look like for you then? Is do you have a strict routine or are you quite kind of go with the flow?
0: I'm a bit of a procrastinator, but I do try and stick to a little regime. So I get up, have a black coffee. Get on my Peloton bike, which I got just before lockdown, luckily, because there was a big old weight on those. And I'm obsessed with it. I think just the energy of the instructors. And I always pick like an instructor I really fancy. Like there's so many beautiful women on there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like perving whilst I'm peddling. Um, I do that. And then I go. <laughs> that could
1: be the catchphrase <laughs> for, for Peloton. <laughs>
0: while you um and then I go to the gym across the road and do like weights and then once I've done that then my actual day begins and I'll do like whatever podcast I've got or whatever work I've got to do yeah but I think I feel like morning setup is really good for me I feel productive then by the time it's like reached 11 o'clock I'm like okay I've done something
1: so are you quite an early riser or do you kind of force yourself to get up early so then you feel like you've had success in the day
0: Yeah. It doesn't come naturally. I really do force myself. And if there's any like midweek drinking going on, that does get pushed back by like three hours.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I feel you. Are you quite strict on yourself in that regard? But sometimes like, you know, in the summer, the sun's out and you have like impromptu bottle of rose somewhere that can slowly and steadily creep into several.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I am quite good. I never used to be because I've always had jobs where I'm my own boss really. So I can dictate like what days are a day off and what days are working day. So I think I've got better maybe the last two years with really being strict and be like, no, this is like a week where I'm working. I need to treat it like a nine to five.
1: So if we look back then at say school and there's that routine in place at school, was that good for you being in that kind of infrastructure?
0: Yeah. I love routine. I think people thrive on routine. If you don't have that, there's just too much time to overthink. Like one of my biggest downfalls is that I overthink everything. So if I've got too much time on my hands and I don't have some kind of routine, it can be dangerous. So yeah, I love a routine. Even though when you're at school, you absolutely hate. And I remember mm. counting down the days and adding up the years <laughs> and how long I've got left until I can leave. But no, I did like that routine and getting up and yeah.
1: Did you see school in terms of the educational side of it, an opportunity, or was it more, you know, one of those things, you know, I've got to go again, you know?
0: I did. I didn't enjoy it because I'm not, I say I'm not academic and I hate saying that, but I found it hard to learn, like the traditional ways and the way they teach you at school. I found that quite hard to learn that way. So I wouldn't like get out of bed and like be skipping to school, but I definitely wanted to give it everything I had. Like I've come from a really like working class family and my parents had drilled it into me that this is your one chance to study hard, make a good career and like make the best life for yourself. So I would really take exams seriously. I'd really try. I had like extra tuition after school and stuff like that.
1: In terms of your kind of personal life at school then, because I know that you've talked about it before, but it's always interesting to kind of reflect on it in a, in a new conversation in terms of your time at school and it's fair to say that you probably didn't have the best time and weren't exactly treated the best way at school as well is that fair to say
0: yeah I think just being an introvert like kids can be quite cruel and people pick up on that like if you're quite introverted and shy people like especially young kids they like to have that kind of power Well, it seems like trolling in a sense it's like people control because there's no consequences. If you're a shy person at school, people know there's not going to be much like comeback if they say whatever they want to you. So I felt like primary school junior school was fine. I was just a little bit like nerdy and shy. And then as I got older, I got more attention from boys, but like the wrong kind of attention and I would say things to like please these guys. Um, and to act like I was more grown up than I was. And then they threw that back in my face and I was slut shamed. And it was awful. Like I couldn't go home and tell my mum like why I wanted to move school because back then people didn't speak about women and like self-love and masturbation and stuff. If for girls said they masturbated, they'll be like ostracized. Like, oh my God, that's disgusting. So it was really sticky for me. Like year nine was awful because I was, yeah. all was separated. So we had year seven and eight in a lower block, and then you'd move up to a whole different school, and that would be year nine to 11. And it was a guy in year 11, and he asked me, he was like, oh, have you ever, like, touched yourself? I was like, mm, yeah, of course I have. And then from that first day in year nine, the, everyone in the school was like, that's the girl who fingers herself. I was like, oh, great, this is going to be fun. <laughs> mm.
1: So would you? is it fair to say then, you know, you say that you were slightly maybe introverted as well, Do you you feel isolated then in these, in like kind of year 9, 10, 11?
0: Mm, Not isolated. I had a big group of friends. I was lucky. I was like, it sounds so cringy to say, but like the girls I hung around with was quite popular, but Mm. it was just isolated in the fact that no women on, no one in the public eye spoke about this being normal. Like boys would speak about masturbation all the time. There was just no representation of girls doing that. And I think that was worse. I felt like I was embarrassing my friends but
1: yeah sure I mean was were they supportive in terms of defending you say or 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 kind of backing you up when 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 certain people would say stuff to you
0: no not really but I think that's just the way it was back then like there was no education on like women's pleasure and they were probably just embarrassed like I don't blame them young girls and to get by in that environment at school you just want to fit in with the crowd don't you so yeah yeah
1: it's just better to I know what you mean you want to keep your head down and get through it but you also want to be I feel like at school you always want to be liked by everybody you never want to upset anyone you know what I mean
0: yeah why is that like it's so weird it's been built in all of us when we're young like everyone must like me
1: (laughs) and also it's just so it's crazy now you look back on it and you go it's so good to be the one that stands out it's like it's just should be it should be told I feel like maybe at school it was told to you it's like great to do what you want or be individual but you're like oh no it's much easier to not let's just get on with it <laughs> I don't know yeah it's difficult but when did you first become aware then of your own mental health or your well-being
0: probably around that time so year nine I don't know what age that is but yeah probably around that age because I- obviously with all that going on I didn't really want to go into school I'd have anxiety even though I didn't know how to label it or what that feeling was but I just knew that my heart would like feel like I'd have heart palpitations I'd get sweaty if I saw that group of boys at school and yeah it wasn't pleasant so I guess that's when I first had mental health but even then I got, I told my mom that I didn't want to go to school and I was unhappy, but I couldn't tell her why. And even when I went and saw the therapist, I may have told the therapist, but I think I kind of lied with why I was anxious and I didn't want to tell her.
1: <laughs> so was that the first stepping stone then? You kind of told yeah. your mom in terms of your feeling, you know, ostracized slightly at school, weren't enjoying it necessarily. And then you went to see a therapist. So How, how did that come about? Were you given that opportunity through the doc going to see your GP
0: Yeah. So like I said, my parents didn't come from like really wealthy backgrounds. So we didn't really know what to do. I looked online and I didn't even have like a Saturday job back then. So there was no way I could afford to go private. So we went to my doctor and um, even that I just felt I wasn't worthy. And I look back and I'm like, I just want to give me a hug. And I think that's so like so many people feel the same they think nothing detrimental has happened to me why am I going to take up the doctor's time and say I feel unhappy but really it's all different like life experiences things you don't even know of course you trauma that could be like a throwaway comment from someone could trigger something so I think that's really important to let people know that you don't need a reason it could just be like an imbalance in your brain like whatever it is you're worthy go there and like find out what the issue is. So, yeah, I went and I was like so shy, so embarrassed. I was like I, I just can't get happy. And I remember saying like I don't know what it is. I'm not like really really sad all the time, but I'm not happy. It just feels like there's a gray cloud hanging over me and it won't go. So and how- then yeah, they re-
1: carry on, sorry. sorry.
0: They recommended um like six sessions I think they give you on the NHS and they said CBT therapy. And that was really good. The first session I had wasn't that kind of therapy. It was just more counselling, which I didn't find very productive. I like to like fix things and find answers. And with CBT, it's a way to like retrain your mind. So that really worked for me.
1: Amazing. For those who don't know, would you like to explain what the kind of things that you were doing?
0: So it varies. It's all different. But one of my biggest things, like I touched on earlier, is the way I overthink and I speak really negatively to myself. And she would say, look, if this was your friend, or a younger version of you and you're like the young Megan, you wouldn't speak to her like this. Like you've got to show yourself some compassion and love. And I think that was really difficult for me, but that's what's helped me grow. I think age as well helps you, but just learning to retrain my mind every time I go to say, you're not good enough or you're not going to be able to do this. Be like, no, look what I've achieved so far. There's no evidence to say I can't do it. You can do it and you will do it like that kind of thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. It's just, it's getting that control. Uh, And obviously that's, it's something that's really, really difficult, particularly, you know, when it's that first time going to see a therapist, if it is the first time you go, it's so difficult to actually get it off your chest, but it's so much better when you've actually got it out in the open and, and someone will actually tell you being like, well, hang on, we can, we can sort this out.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I really say it's similar to going to the gym. No one really loves Mm -hmm. going to the gym. You're going to get sweaty. It's going to be uncomfortable. But when you come out, you're going to feel so good.
1: (laughs) It's exactly right. And I always think as well, you can just like you train the body, you have to train the mind. And Mm. there's countless things that help that, you know, it's even, you know, taking Hamilton out for a a long walk and I chuck in a podcast. It's like actually having that hour to myself and just kind of being alone with my thoughts. It's like, you know, like recalibrate almost. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Is there anything else that you do to say, keep, keep in check with yourself?
0: Yeah. If I have like a really stressful day or really stressful morning, I recently had a few sessions with this lady and she does NLP. And don't ask me what that stands for, but it's some way of again, retraining your mind. And it's all about like positive affirmations and stuff. And if I get overwhelmed, I'll just literally, I could be anywhere, just lay there or sit there, shut my eyes and just envision the reason why I'm doing things that say I don't want to do that day or like where I want to be in three years. And how can, kind of like meditation um so yeah I'll just like take myself to that place for like a minute maybe sometimes longer if I have time five minutes just meditate and just think like what I want to achieve where I'm going to be what does it look like what am I wearing who am I surrounded by where am I in the world and that really helps to just like put things into perspective when my mind sometimes goes a little bit wild
1: (laughs) yeah for sure it's great and do you have uh, a good like support bubble around you of people that you feel like you can rely on. And obviously I know that you don't want to call your friends with every problem that that you have. And obviously it's the same for me and probably anybody. But, you know, you want to have those close friends where you go, I'm having one of those off days if you've got five minutes.
0: Yeah, definitely. I don't have a huge, huge circle of friends. I have a lot of acquaintances, but I have a tight circle of friends, which I will literally tell anything to. And I think that's why, like, I'm so close with them because I do. Even embarrassing things like I'm just such an open person I really guess I've got my parents to thank for that my mum's always like had any conversation with me nothing's off limits and when she's heard me now in interviews say like oh I I didn't want to tell you why I wanted to change school she's like but we always used to speak about like sex and body parts Meg you didn't have to be silly I was like yeah so no I've got a really open connection with my mum I'd say she's my biggest rock and then yeah I've got like maybe five friends that I could just tell them anything
1: Mm, that's really nice I mean it's not you would rather have it closer and less than kind of wider and not as close if that makes sense Mm. so when we look at kind of various other aspects then how old were you when you first got your own phone and kind of started getting introduced to social media do you remember that
0: um it must have been around that sort of age like year nine year ten
1: yeah and what the problem is because no there was there's no lessons on how to deal with social media particularly when it first came around and it can can be very sour particularly for young adults what was your relationship like in that regard you know before love island and before kind of all, all your other achievements
0: um i always liked social media i didn't really feel that there was much pressure like where i came from like people didn't have like a lot of lot of money so it wasn't like showy like it isn't what it is now I feel like now on social media and Instagram it's like what designer bag you have what watch you have what car you're driving back then all I had was MySpace and I thought I was like the best thing and I'd have a whole page dedicated to like Megan's top five songs that week like it wasn't really about image it was just about like connecting with friends and music and stuff like that Um, And then maybe when Instagram came around, I got on that. And that's how I started actually getting into the whole, like, glamour modelling, that sort of thing. So I saw girls do the same. And I was like, if they can do that, I can do that. And I posted more and more, like, bikini content. So before I even went into Love Island, my followers were, like, 200,000. And I started getting paid jobs off of that and, like, travelling the world modelling for that. So it has helped me. But I do know, and I have had times where I'm, like, I've cried over social media. Like it's, 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 it can be toxic.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. And it's difficult to find that balance, particularly when for you now in particular are using it for kind of promotional tools as in it's your job and it's your business or part of your business. Do you know what I mean? So it's difficult to find what you are able to use it for, but so many people use it just for their own personal usage. And I have no doubt that if you flicked over onto your request requested messages, there's going to be a whole deal of negativity as well, which is horrible.
0: Yeah, that took some real self-restraint at first when I had that big following, like when I come off of Love Island, not to look through that. Because we're all guilty of it. Like there's a little bit of self-like sabotage going on with me sometimes. Like if I have a bad day and I'm like, oh well, this is a crap day. Let me add insult to injury. I have gone in them requests and really like read some nasty things. Like, why am I doing this? So yeah, that did take a lot of self-control at first. But nothing's good gonna come from reading them. So I don't anymore. And also they have introduced this thing. Um they can hide requests. So I've set certain keywords so for example for me i have a lot of slut shaming and stuff like that so anything that contains words slut or fake or anything derogatory i've set that so it doesn't come up anymore so they i guess they're doing a little something instagram
1: <laughs> is enough being done though do you think that there's more work to be done and in terms of even institutionally should there be more done in schools say to ha- to help this
0: yeah, a thousand percent. People need to be held accountable. Like you wouldn't walk up to someone on the street and say these things that people are trolling people for. You just wouldn't. It'll be harassment. You'll be arrested. So they need to make people accountable. Like everyone needs to upload like a form of ID. I feel to have an account mm. and have Great, one picture of their face on it. Definitely to be accountable because you wouldn't. You'd be embarrassed if your coworkers knew that you was trolling someone. Like you just wouldn't behave like that in public. So I don't see why because you're sat behind a computer screen, you should be able to. We're I mean, human if, as well.
1: If you are happy to, I mean, what what sort of stuff have you has been said? Like what's the what's something that's actually stuck with you for quite for quite a while?
0: So when I first came out, I was like probably like a size a 10, but I come out of Love Island, I was going on PAs, drinking loads partying, eating what I wanted. And I was in love. I was happy in a relationship. Like, what do you do? You go out and eat dinners all the time. So go to lots of stuff. I must've only got to like a size 12, but people were vicious. They were like, there was one lady and she was like, Right now, you resemble one house. If you carry on, you're going to resemble two. So I suggest you stop eating. I was like, oh my God. And I've never been called fat in my life. I was like, what? But normally it's like slut-shaming stuff. Oh, you're embarrassing. What do your parents say? Your parents must be proud. You're never going to get a husband. And just all that like old-fashioned, archaic crap.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. And what I find bizarre about uh, trolls. And I've talked to, the, to this about people as well. It's the fact that somebody has quite literally gone out their way to have done that, like to, to, to send a message or to leave a comment. They've actually taken effort to do that and for somehow felt better. And I just I find it utterly bizarre. I don't know how they get, I can't get my head around that part. <laughs>
0: Some of them are quite substantial as well, like paragraphs in like yeah. paragraphs.
1: <laughs> it's like, yeah, cause, oh, because, oh, I know Megan's going to read this. This is really going to get under her skin.
0: <laughs> no, but with them ones, when they've put a lot of time and effort in and it's just pure hate, I I turn it around. I'm like, I feel sorry for you. Imagine if that's the highlight of your day, mm-hmm. putting someone else down. And I hope that they do get help because that, that's not a healthy way to live. You should no, you're right. Up hate in your heart <laughs>
1: do you did you ever go through a time where you actually kind of responded to them
0: oh yeah i loved it when i first came out i thought it was highly entertaining to react screenshot what they've put and then give my little cocky comeback but all that did was fuel it and there'll be more mm. and more and more so i've stopped replying now
1: <laughs> fair enough yeah I, I, uh, there's only, I, there, there, it's one of those things that will always continue to happen so you're fighting a losing battle i suppose
0: I had to react to Scott Disick, though. That was the last person I reacted to.
1: (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. What was said again?
0: (laughs) He was like, how dare you tell my friend he's not funny and he's not exactly Jim Carrey. Beautiful, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was it. I wasn't even being mean, though. Like, some people just don't get on. Like, it's not that deep.
1: Oh, my God, that's hilarious. Now, before (laughs) you did go on Love Island, though, I just want to talk about kind of your relationship with your mum when she found out about your job. And how that came about, because I suppose at the time you didn't want to tell her what you were doing. uh, And maybe rightly so. I don't know what your relationship is with her. But if you were so close, how come that that what you weren't able to kind of connect and and tell her?
0: So, like I said, with my parents, they... Have come from like really working class backgrounds and they've given everything they had to me and my brother, like every saving they'll like save up for us. And there was like the rules are to get this money for your first car, you can't drink, you can't smoke, and you can't um you have to try hard at your exams. So I already felt like I'd let them down by not getting the A's that I really wanted to get. So for me to leave a law firm where I was a legal PA and say, oh, actually, I want to go and dance and be a stripper. I thought that would break their heart. So even though I knew deep down they would support me, especially knowing how much money I made, I just didn't want. And society was different back then, I feel mm. like even though it was only five years ago, it wasn't as spoke about like Beyonce wouldn't sing about, I don't know, only fans. Cardi B didn't exist. There was no powerful women that had come from a sex work background that were respected. So yeah, I think it was more society, but she was like when I first told her, she did cry. And I was like, look, don't be sad, I'm safe. And then I really broke it down for her. I was like, look, there's girls my age going clubbing where there's men drinking around them and girls would sit with a boy in his area, go home with a guy because he's wearing a nice watch or he's got a table and a bottle of Grey Goose. I'm going into a club, no one's touching me. I'm not getting intoxicated. I'm having a few drinks, earning money and coming home. She's like, okay
1: yeah it's very true and i think
0: think she just saw that like independence it gave me that
1: and as well it's that well going back to that society thing again it's just that matter of judgment um considering as you say almost that archaic uh opinion and view when actually we are in a in a place in the 21st century where women are allowed to choose to do what they want with their bodies Uh, you're allowed to you should be able to walk down the street in London and not be scared and I still find that barbaric that you know my younger sister lives in London and actually if I would say to don't walk home on your own at night and the fact that I still have to say that is awful
0: yeah and it's not even about like what you're wearing like women going jogging on a dark night you just wouldn't do it I said that to my mum the other day I was like the luxury men have to just go and for a run when it's like turning evening time, or in the winter when it's dark and it's like six o'clock in the morning or five o'clock when it's still pitch black, like as a woman, I don't feel safe doing that.
1: Yeah, I completely agree, and I, I can understand as well. And it, but it's so sad that that's still the case.
0: Mm, I feel like we get in there slowly. I feel like by making it such a big thing when these things do happen and not brushing it under the carpet, like yeah. we need to feel safe. You know what I mean.
1: I mean, I yeah. think you're right. So, I mean, there's certainly more being done, f- you know, more, more awareness, let's say, but, but that still yeah. doesn't mean that it happens from the, there's changed technically from the top, but mm-hmm. I suppose maybe there's more societal pressure there. But anyway, g- good, good, good combo. This is great. But let's talk mm-hmm. about um, relationships then, because I, I obviously, as everyone does going throughout their life, you have various relationships uh, here and there. Um, but with, relationships, I want to talk about toxic relationships, first of all, because as someone who's got many young fans uh, and young adults that look up to you, how, how would you help to identify something that would be deemed as toxic?
0: I feel like if, if it's making your mental health deteriorate, making you doubt yourself, you don't feel fulfilled by this person, this person isn't bringing anything to the table or making you feel better, then that's a big, massive, huge red flag and you should run for the hills.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sure. But I mean, how important is it in kind of these relation or just relationships in general, I know the problem is with lockdown, people have probably got in each other's pockets, in a sense, the people that have been living together. But how important is it to see your friends and just do stuff without your partner? Because you know that, well, hopefully, they're going to come home at the end of the night or at least, you know, text you being like, I'll see you in the morning.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's so important and so healthy. I always say like, if there's no trust with someone, I will just end it there or just, make that barrier really clear and say look if you don't trust me and I don't trust you there's no point having this as a relationship we can be friends with benefits but without trust what, what's the point like I couldn't I can not live like that yeah for but sure it's so healthy to have friends around you like friends are. when people say oh I'm single I can't go on a holiday like take a friend like some of the best memories I've had are with my friends not in relationships my longest relationship has been like 9 months i'm always single and i have the best time
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i know it sounds like you're doing quite well on the traveling front as well considering you're single <laughs> how are you with um breakups then how do you kind of deal with them and tackle them are you quite good at compartmentalizing
0: i've definitely got better with age i feel like when i was younger I used to be an absolute mess. But I think it's more, I know it sounds brutal, but it's more the habit than the actual person. Yeah, I
1: completely fun. agree. Oh, hundred percent. You've nailed it.
0: <laughs> I sound savage saying that. But yeah, like obviously I've been in love, but I feel like for me, it's that routine and that having that person to wake up to and they care what's happening in your day and you can tell them about the most pettiest thing and they, they want to hear it. It's that that I miss rather than that person
1: themselves. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get you. It's just, as you say, you fall into easy habits and it's the hardest thing to break a habit. That's why, you know, people find smoking so difficult to quit or it's so difficult to go sober or something. They're all habits and you just get so used to doing it
0: yeah it's like a comfort blanket but for me that scares me more having someone that i've settled for that is a comfort blanket rather than me being like fully head over heels in love with this person and they make me grow as a person i make them grow as a person like i couldn't be with someone just to have someone
1: a brief break in the podcast to tell you about my season eight sponsor rck partners if you're looking to take advantage of R&D tax credits to boost your business's cash flow, RCK Partners can help you. Simply head to rck.partners or follow the link in the podcast description below. That's rck.partners. Now, back to the podcast. So, thinking about those like break breakups again as well. Do you have any Any tips to people on on how to cope with it in terms of, say, the first week? What what should you do or what do you recommend doing?
0: Well, I definitely don't recommend taking to your Instagram story like I did and saying why the person that your partner's cheated with is such a piece of shit. So if you can refrain from doing that, my next bit of advice would be stay busy, form a routine, and also don't rush like feeling shit like it's human. You've got to sit with that feeling or feeling like shit.
1: Mm, totally right I think you I don't think you should ever fight it you've got to accept it and what about the term rebound then do you think that's a a positive thing or do you think that's negative because you're putting off the feelings
0: I feel like sit with it definitely but if you want to have a little fun in the meantime live your best life we're on this planet once if you want to distract yourself for a few hours go ahead and do it
1: <laughs> totally
0: get that good dick
1: <laughs> so when you've since joining OnlyFans, then i i think you have i think you have been kind of i don't know maybe dating people i'm not sure but has anyone ever or when they've asked you out for example to go for a date or anything brought it up negatively to you
0: no so this is a thing the whole time we're together dating they love it they're like what do you do on there even offer to star in it sometimes if they're feeling a bit brave, uh-huh. but it's only at the end when we break up, they try and like, or things aren't working. They try and like throw it back in your face. And like, I just think that's such a low blow and like kind of embarrassing, but it makes me feel better. Cause obviously there's nothing that I've done as a person. You're just choosing my career against me, which you didn't mind when I'm taking you for dinners and buying you holidays and <laughs> doing this. So I don't know. I've had it like, obviously I've worked in the sex in from the age of 20 so I've, I've had it every relationship i have they haven't got an issue until we break up and then it's like oh you're a slut or, oh the reason why i cheated is because i felt insecure because you're going out there dancing it's like okay it's just a cop-out i think
1: yeah it's i think they're trying to say it's just like a troll really isn't it they're trying to say something to make themselves feel better to almost justify what's going on
0: yeah And I feel like that's a a them issue. If they need Mm. to cheat, that's their insecurity and they should have addressed it before.
1: I mean, you've built an incredible platform on OnlyFans in terms of how many people you've got on there and you clearly are at the top of the game of it. I mean, do you see it as something that you will continue to do for a significant period of time?
0: Yeah, I love it. And I just love the community and the platform that is only fans. Like obviously these people are paying a subscription fee. So there is no hate. There is no trolling. It's purely positive. And I love mm-hmm. how diverse my fans are. Like I have straight women follow me. I have gay guys follow me on there. Like it's a community and it's a way for me to interact with fans that I don't get to on Instagram. And I can be authentically myself on there. Like when I do lives, we speak about all kinds of things. I think people in their mind want to sexualize it and make it this sleazy seedy site and it's really not that it's so much more um but yeah I don't think I'll be doing it forever I want to get to a place where I can like my looks aren't anything to do with my career I want to have like income from other ventures and I'd really love to be that role model for women who want to get on there and need advice so I think that's going to be the goal
1: yeah I saw you I saw you, saw you put that on your story about um, potentially doing kind of tutorials and stuff for, to help others Mm. to join. And obviously you had a following uh, and uh, a great platform on social media before you joined, which allowed for great access for the public. I mean, and then do you think that it would necessarily be a challenge for people in the public to join, or is it actually far more to it than just the financial gains? It's about that um, freedom of expression and that body positivity.
0: You can use it however you want. I do think it's great. Like for like a financial situation, if you're for some reason, you can't like leave your house or whatever. So like during lockdown, it was great, but it's so much more than that. Like you said, you've got creativity of everything. And a lot of girls before getting, trying to get into glamour modeling or any kind of modeling like that, it would always be men and big companies that would have the rights to pictures dictate to you what level you needed to shoot at, whether that be topless or you had to be like implied nude to make it in this industry with this, the model has all the power. She can say, or he can say what he wants to shoot, what hours he's going to shoot it. He's got all the rights to his images or her images, and they can charge whatever price they want. They're their own boss. Um, Obviously, yeah, I had the boost from my following, but before Love Island, I was actually on it. It was the producers of Love Island that said this is like a TV, a family TV show, and this is an adult site. So can you take your thing down? Or I still would have had it the whole time. And I was still making decent money from it then with a fraction of the followers that I do now.
1: Mm, absolutely. Now let's talk about just in terms of body positivity, then as well. Because as I was mm. saying, you've got this great amount of young adults that look up to you and you're open and you're honest on these platforms which is really exciting um what is your relationship with kind of body positivity and, and in terms of your own body has it been uh, difficult over the years in terms of to always love yourself when you're getting trolls saying stuff to you or have you actually been quite content and happy in terms of no matter what other people are saying what other opinions are you're happy with what you, your your body
0: and um, when I was at school, that's when like I was bullied. So my ears used to stick out and I was bullied for that. Like boys would say nasty things and make comments. So that was like the first ever surgery that I had. I had my ears pinned back. So I'd say that was probably the worst time I struggled with like body positivity and loving myself just because kids are cruel. Like mm-hmm. if I was this age, I'd probably have just left them alone. Um, <clears throat> but when you're going into school every day and you're just like whacking your hair up in a ponytail and people are constantly saying things, it would wear you down um so that was a struggle as soon as i left school i was so confident um and what my advice to girls is when i had my ears pinned back and then i had a boob job at 19 which is still very young i did think when i have these bigger boobs i'm going to be so much more confident and it's like i was young and that was such a dumb way of thinking and that's my biggest message if you've really thought about it and The main focus of your day is an imperfection that you see as an imperfection in your body and you want to change it. It's your body, do whatever makes you happy. But please believe me, what you do on the outside shell, whether you dress yourself up in the most designer, beautiful clothes, have every surgery under the sun, it's not going to change within you. Like if you don't love yourself, no matter what you look like to everyone else, it's not going to change you. You need to change that relationship with yourself first um and i wish someone had told me that i mean i still would have gone through and done everything but i just wish that i had, had that insight before to do the therapy alongside it rather mm-hmm. than afterwards um, and then I've always been like very p- body positive. Like every surgery I've had, I've always fully researched and done. I've been very open about. It's only the weight thing. That's the only other time, and that was really end of last year, beginning of this year. I'd lost weight. I got the Peloton. I was training. I went sober for three months, and. I had abs and I'd never had abs, but the pressure from people telling me, oh, it's the best you've ever looked. It's the best you've ever looked. Then I was like, oh shit, now I have to maintain this. And it wasn't like I, like I've been traveling I want to live, I want to go to nice restaurants. So I had a little, I would not say crisis, but yeah, I was definitely focused on my body a lot early this year, more than I should have. But I've got that under control now. So it swings around roundabouts.
1: Yeah, I guess it's finding that balance, isn't it? Because you can drive yourself into the best shape you've ever been in in your your life, but it's almost unsustainable and not healthy for your mindset.
0: Yeah. And I didn't want it to be the focus of my day. Like I work hard. I should be able to go out and live and have a few glasses of wine with friends, go to nice restaurants and not think, oh, my God, I must maintain these abs. But um, no, like... I think it's like mental health. It's always up and down. It's never like some linear, like perfect line. Like, oh, you fixed mental health. Now that's that checked off.
1: Mm, totally. What What would you say then you do daily to maintain your mental health then, just to make sure that, you know, you're there and checked in and 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 kind of get through the day in a good way?
0: Exercise is a massive thing for me and structure. So I think I try and allow myself to have like three hours of just time for myself, regardless of work and stuff like that. So I meditate in the morning. I do my little gym routine. And then over evening, sometimes if I've had a particularly stressful day, I'll try and meditate again or do like, I go to boxing. I've started that. And that's the one time that my mind can switch off Mm. when I'm like focusing on like, what i'm the sequences of boxing that i'm doing my mind because i talk to myself a lot in my mind and a lot of the time i have to pull myself up because it's negative so when i'm doing things like this or working out i don't have time to think those things so that really helps me
1: do you think you're in the best place you've ever been in your life
0: yeah definitely i would say my mental health is the best it's been i would say i love myself more than i ever have and i don't know whether that is just like years of therapy or just age. I think the older you get, the more you're like, well, I'm happy. So can't please anyone else.
1: (laughs) Totally. Now this is the last question that I ask every guest when they come on my podcast. What does the word headstrong mean to you?
0: Headstrong means to me that you know your morals, you know, your values, you know what you stand for. And no matter what anyone else has to say or how you're judged, that's your beliefs and you'll stick into it unless you as a person.
1: Love that. Megan, thank you so much for joining me on Headstrong. I really, really appreciate it.
0: Oh, thank you. It's been fun.
1: Thank you, Megan, for joining me on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. I've been trying to get Megan for some time now, and I think that it was certainly worth the wait. I've really enjoyed that conversation, and I think she's great and really insightful as well, and genuinely honest, which is so refreshing. If you have enjoyed the podcast, please do subscribe, rate, leave a review, send it to friends, family, whatever you fancy doing. But I just want to thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. It means a lot. There will be another at least seven episodes in this series, so be sure to hit subscribe so the episode lands in your library every Monday morning.